Amen. Eric Liddell was a famous runner. You might have seen the movie about him, Chariots of Fire. It came out in 1981. He's this famous runner, incredible gifted athlete. He was actually a missionary kid in China. Then uh, as a British guy, he, he goes to uh, run in the 1924 Olympics. The 100 is his best event. He, as a devout Christian, believed that he was to keep Sunday as his Sabbath day and to keep it holy. The finals of the 100 were to land on a Sunday. And Eric Liddell said, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to run. I'm supposed to rest on the Sabbath day. So he didn't run. He didn't do it. That was his best event. He also was running in the 400, but he wasn't supposed to win that one. That wasn't his strong point. But later in the week, he did run in the 400 and won the gold medal. It's an amazing, beautiful story. God had given him a vision of God's glory and a passion for the gospel that affected everything about his life. Now, that's the, that's the movie part. Maybe what you don't know is the part that comes after the movie. He immediately, after the Olympics, finishes his schooling and heads off to the mission field in China. And he's serving in China, serving the people, preaching the gospel. While he's there, he meets a Canadian missionary woman, and they get married, and they have a couple kids, and then she's pregnant with their third kid as they continue to serve the people there and to serve the gospel. And as a, at that point, this is 1941, and Japanese forces invade into China. And as they come in, uh, they're... Uh, people begin to, to flee from China. And so Eric Liddell's wife and kids, his pregnant wife and kids, flee. But Eric Liddell chose to stay and remain and to serve those people. He actually never gets the chance to meet that baby in his wife's belly because he's serving the people. A couple years later, he's placed in a Japanese internment camp and even there, while he's in this internment camp, is preaching the gospel. And uh, they said he sort of was like a, a youth director in this camp of caring for the kids and keeping, them, uh, keeping their spirits up, teaching them about Jesus still in the midst of all of that. In 1945, he ends up dying of a brain tumor there in China. But the thing about Eric Liddell is that he realized that his faith was everything, that Jesus was everything. This vision he had of God's glory gave him a singular focus of what his life was to be about. And that was to serve God, that it was all worth the risk. And even here then today, as we get into this passage in 2 Timothy 8, that has these three words, these were three words that Eric Liddell was willing to say, I am willing. Lord, I am willing to follow you. I am willing to serve you. I am willing to go to the ends of the earth. And I'm willing to even serve to the point of risking my death for you, God. And so I just want that to kind of inspire and inform us as we head into this passage in 2 Timothy 2. We read it earlier as a congregation. I encourage you to turn to it now as that's where our focus will be today. So 2 Timothy 2, verse 8, I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. Always remember that Jesus Christ, 
a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. So like, remember here again, okay, Paul in prison writing to Timothy, his, you know, this, this younger pastor he's mentoring and preparing and, and helping along the way. He says, always remember this is the thing. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing, hear those words, so I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This is a trustworthy saying. And hear the words of that ancient hymn, if we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Powerful, powerful passage, I believe, here that we are, uh, that we are blessed to be able to read and to receive. And I hope just even the reading of this passage is, is starting to stir something in you, that God is starting to speak to you through his word. I am willing. I am willing. And so let's look into just kind of this, this first verse a little bit more of just always remember, this core part, always remember Jesus Christ, descendant of King David, was risen from the dead. He's raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. So here's the deal. Jesus is alive. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the core. That's what it's all about. That we recognize and know that we are, the, we are people who have sinned. We are people who like, belong in the garden, walking in the presence of the Father. But sin entered the world through us, through man. And then as God has seen all of that, God sent his very son to live on this earth as this perfect human being, fully God while also being fully man. And he lived that perfect life we couldn't live. And so we all were due this penalty of death. We all were due this penalty of hell and separation from God. But God said, I send my son and he lived that perfect life and willingly, Jesus said, I am willing. And he even said, Lord, not your not my will, but your will be done. I'm going to completely pattern my life. Even Jesus in this world patterned his life after the will of the Father. And so we follow that same pattern, right? And so Jesus said, I am willing to go upon the cross to die there. But he did not stay dead. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. Jesus is alive. That's the good news we preach. We preach that good news because Jesus came to life again in power over sin and death. So let's remind ourselves that that is the core. And even here when it says King David's descendant, it's reminding us that he is of this royal line. It's reminding us that of his of his actual humanness, that he's part of this human line while being fully God at the same time. And it's an important thing to remember. But we remember that the resurrection is the key. Lots of people die. People don't come back to life again. 
Jesus came back to life in power. And so let that kind of inform the rest of this, right? Let that affect you and how you live and how you consider the rest of this. This is all after the resurrection. So then the next verse says, and because I preach this good news, I'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal. I think there was a lot of different ways like that people were talking about Jesus and talking about the gospel. We've talked about some different heresies that were happening in that time of where he wasn't actually human. He wasn't actually of flesh. And, um, and it's not a gospel of grace. It's, it is a gospel of works. There were all these heresies going around. But Paul saying, no, no, no. This is a gospel of grace. This is a gospel of resurrection power. And this is the good news I preach. And because of that, I'm being chained. Now, another kind of interesting point just to know is, I mean, the way they would speak of the Roman emperor was even his birth was called a gospel. The account of his birth was called a gospel, or there was good news preached of the emperor's birth. And so when you would preach this good news or this gospel of Jesus, his birth, life, death, and resurrection, you were speaking against the Roman Empire, which is another reason why he's chained like a criminal. Okay, so we, we think about this whole part that the good news is worth the risk. The good news is worth the risk even of imprisonment, even of chains, that we're willing to suffer. We're willing to go through whatever it takes. Uh, I've, I'm just uh, astounded by accounts of what's been happening over the last maybe decade in the Middle East with Muslim people receiving Christ. And you have to think about how like, God's work and movement in the Middle East amongst people who are in a culture where it is, you can lose your very life for going against your religion then, your, your Muslim upbringing and tradition. And if you receive Christ, it's a really big deal. And there's uh, even a, a cool book by Tom and Joanne Doyle called Women Who Risk. And you think about... Uh, People who have to, like, you think about anybody within a Muslim country who want, to, who want to follow Jesus, but especially women, as they are having the gospel presented to them. And in the book, they talk about any time that they are presenting Jesus to someone, talking to someone, and someone is engaged and interested in this, yes, I want to know more, I want to follow this, this Jesus that you're speaking of. They said they always ask them two questions. Are you willing to suffer and are you willing to die? Don't do this. Don't, don't take any part in this unless you're willing to suffer and you're willing to die. I don't know if those are two questions we're going to ask at VBS in a few weeks, right? Like, I just don't know if that's kind of the world that we live in when we're talking about following Jesus. It's not the experience that the kids are going to have at Hume Lake probably when they go off to camp this summer and they're hearing about Jesus and having an opportunity to receive Christ. We live in a different kind of place where we're not encountering that same kind of risk. We have risk, but man, can you just imagine what that would be like to live in that culture and people still are choosing to follow Jesus. And, and it's, it's happening in 
huge numbers, incredible ways. And even when, and I love, I always, I talk about this, but I love these stories of where even in places that the gospel cannot be preached, that people are having visions and dreams of a man in white um, that is appearing to them, that is Esau, that is Jesus. And they ask people about like, who is this man in white that I'm seeing in these dreams? And they begin to tell them about Jesus. And they said, yes, that's, that's him. And so God is moving and, and people are receiving Christ, but it's a difficult challenge. So is it worth the risk? Now, you may not be encountering life-endangering moments by just the, just the matter of following Jesus at all or even talking about Jesus at all. I remember one thing I spoke up here um, in the in the middle school graduation here at Calvary Christian School uh, a week and a half ago or so. And I remember talking to these kids about this verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible that's also Paul to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.12. And it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. You know, that's a good verse for kids, right? It's a good verse for all of us, young at heart. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example, it says. Set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So the way to get people to not look down on you is to set an example for them in how you live your life. And I was talking about love, this whole thing of, okay, and the way that you love and the way that you express love. And we know then the Bible says, greater love is no one than this, that he lay down his life for a friend. Right? That there's that think here, we're, we're, are we willing to give our very lives that in the way that Jesus gave his very life for us? And so the thing I talked to the kids about, because look, like again, we're not risking our very lives, but are you willing to lay down your social life for a friend? Are you willing to sacrifice your social reputation for a friend? Are you willing to say, God, I'm willing to say, Lord, I don't care what people think about me or how I'm treated at work or at school or with my family members. Like, Jesus is what matters. I am willing to risk the way that people look at me and think about me. I'm willing to lay down my social life for you, Lord. Because a lot of times we're not even willing to do that. That's the struggle. We're not at risk of losing our very lives, but we're still unwilling to risk our social lives for the gospel as it becomes increasingly more and more unpopular to be a follower of Jesus in this world. Now, partially because people have modeled what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I think in ways that are antithetical to who Jesus is. But we need to be living out the way of Jesus, but proclaiming the name of Jesus to a world that needs him desperately. We're willing to lay that down. Now, so there is a risk. There's a risk for all of us, whether we're in the Middle East, whether we're a missionary overseas, whether we're here working a job, whether we're going to school, living in Orange County, all of that, right? Like there's risks for all of us, different things that we will all experience. But what I want you to know is that Paul says, I am in prison and I am in chains because of the gospel that I preach. But the word of God cannot be chained. Amen? 
Come on, the word of God cannot be stopped. God can't be stopped. And that's why even in places in the Middle East where the gospel is not able to be proclaimed out loud and publicly all over the place, that's why God appears to people in visions and dreams because the word of God cannot be stopped. And that is why we follow a God who is powerful beyond anything, beyond anything we will do. It's not imprisoned. It's not stopped. It's an un stoppable force. This whole thing, I mean, this whole thing of Christianity, if it was not a movement of God himself, it would have been crushed centuries ago. Just utterly crushed centuries ago. But the Roman Empire can't stop it, right? It becoming part under Constantine of, it becoming part of like just what everybody was forced to do, even that kind of thing couldn't stop it. That COVID can't stop it. Our governments can't stop it. Persecution can't stop it. Uh, other, other nations that oppress the gospel in modern day China or through things like the Taliban or whatever in these other countries, the gospel cannot be stopped. Because the gospel is about Jesus and God himself. All right? And now that's why a couple things I want to talk about with this. One is, this is why we believe in Bibles for everyone. Okay, so part of our mission strategy, we talk about reaching Europe as a strategy because we've seen the 1040 window moving into Europe. And also Europe's a very lost and dark place. But we also, the other part of our primary strategy, it also goes out into all other places, but is that Bibles for everyone because we believe that the word of God cannot be stopped. If people have a chance to have the Bible, they'll have a chance to hear from the word of God and the word of God can't be stopped. I love even the story of Pastor Birdie who is the pastor of the church in Albania. That's our sister church that we love and support so much. I mean, he's like this in like Soviet uh, soldier uh, before the, the wall came down and he's listening to like signal intelligence. He's like listening to radio waves and there, there's this whole thing where people were just sending the gospel, sending the, the spoken word of the Bible and messages of Jesus over radio waves into these countries that were closed off and he's listening to this as like in the intent to oppose it and stop it and as he's listening to it, he gets saved and he becomes a believer and then as the end of uh, communism comes and Albania is able to be more free in that way, he then plants a church and starts this awesome movement. Like the word of God cannot be stopped. Isn't that awesome? I just think that's so encouraging. And so we can be, we are part of that same power. It's like, I think we are actually cursed in some way by our freedoms. Now I know it's like not a very popular thing to say, but our freedoms have made us soft. We're soft, we're complacent, and we're more worried about our freedom sometimes than we're actually worried about the gospel. And so let's actually care about what Jesus has told us to care about and know that the gospel won't be stopped even if we lose our freedoms. And so maybe we should pray, God, maybe we should pray, God, I don't, I don't even care about my freedoms. Take away my freedoms if it furthers your good news and your way. Amen? I mean, come on. Yeah, let's go. Oh. So I want to encourage us in this. 
We, it's, it's a good thing to, it's a good thing and it's a fine thing to, to be involved in that, to, to in, in the political realm and all that. I'm not saying don't. What I'm saying is don't think that you're going to be saved by that stuff or that it's going to, that's what's going to accomplish the mission of the gospel. It's not. It's not. We've been given a spirit of power. We've been given a spirit of power in a, in a good way by the Holy Spirit of God. This kind of power is what, we'll, what, we'll, what we need to be able to conquer, like, all the things that oppose the gospel in our culture. And that's why we have to be a people who dive deeply into prayer. That we have to be a people that care about prayer in a way that's different than maybe the way you've ever prayed before. I want us, this is something that we are talking about right now. And just, I want to kind of let you in on this of stuff that our leadership has been talking about. Like our, our pastors, our elders, some other members of our prayer ministry team. We've been diving deep into prayer, I think, in a new way for us here at Calvary. We want to be people of prayer that are praying in a way that recognizes that we have been given authority by God. Jesus says, I give you authority in me to go out and to make disciples of all nations. And so when we pray, we want to be people who pray boldly, bold declarative prayers, crying out to our God who has said, you can approach my throne room with confidence, he says. Come to him with confidence. We are in utter submission and awe and respect and reverence to our God. But we come before him with bold declarative prayers saying, God, work in our church, work in our community, work in my friends, work in my school, work in the, my office, work in our country, in our world. May your your name be made great. May your Holy Spirit work in power in these places. And we cry out to a holy God, believing that he will work his wonders so that people will know the name of Jesus. And so we are crying out to him with fervent prayer in a new way. And we're also trying to listen to God in a new way. We've been gathering with, we've done a couple, like with elders and we've gathered with staff every couple weeks, like where we're just stopping and meeting together and, and listening. God, what, what do you want us to do? And we'll be still and listen and then we'll pause and we'll share what, what is God, what is God saying to you in this time? And we'll share that. We'll kind of find some alignment in how we're sharing these things. And we'll go back into prayer and listening. And then we'll share a little bit more. And we'll go back into prayer and listening. And God is, God is speaking and God is guiding. And we want to rely on his spirit. Because I'll tell you this. We in our own power can be stopped. We can be. And maybe we have been because we've been trusting in our smarts or our programs or our intelligence or our works or whatever that is. But the power of God cannot be stopped. The word of God cannot be stopped. Are we trusting in ourselves or are we trusting in God's power? And so I want to encourage you in your life, in whatever you have going, we all come in here with stuff. We've got things we're really excited about. We've got things we're grieving. We've got things we're anxious about. We have all sorts of things that we're coming in here with. We have people in our life that we desperately hope would know Jesus. That we probably even deep down, I know I have this, this issue in my own self, 
issues deep down with people that I know and love that I think I doubt that God will ever save them, right? And we need to come before God with confidence and power and just total trust and say, God, we need your power to be moving. And that's what we want to be as a church that is about the power of God, not the power of us. And so I want to invite you into that, into that kind of life of prayer, praying more, praying boldly, praying often, praying with this kind of confidence that he says that we should approach him with. Because, you know, you think about Paul here as he's writing these words, and Paul had a transformative experience with God, right? Paul's on the road to Damascus. Paul is struck by God, this white light that blinds him. God's working in him. Paul has this transformative experience. Then even as he's, then he's, he's okay, I'm, I'm in, right? And God begins to, uh, to shape him and he spends time with Jesus himself. And Paul's life was radically changed. And so because of that then, he is bold and preaching the gospel no matter what happens to him. And he's all of these writings that he has for the church to be living out this true gospel. And so I want us to consider like what has been my experience with God? When was my life changed? How was my life changed? And now because of how my life was changed, how will I then live my life differently because of that? And so for you to consider, how has your life been changed? And maybe it's even, God, I pray that you would work in me, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would change me. Asking him to make himself more, like, more present in your life. But it's kind of like anything. If you want to hear from someone, you got to shut your mouth and start listening sometimes. Okay? And so we want to be able to, to listen to what God will do in us and change us. And then out of that, we'll live our life differently in a way that's saying, hey, is there anything else that's even worth risking anything for other than Jesus? No. No, because God cannot be stopped. Now, we get into this last chunk here, and this is where we'll see these three words. It says, so I am willing. Because God's word cannot be stopped, so I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus. That's... That's where he, he gets to this final point where he says these words, I am willing. Are you willing to say those three words? I am willing. Let's say it together. I am willing. I am willing. And then it goes through to the rest of that little part with that, as Ron said, it's like became an ancient hymn of sorts. If we die with him, we will also live with him. So he's like, hey, this is worth the risk. Because if we die with him, we will live with him in eternal glory. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Now, what I want you to understand about that part is that part is really like, it's not about like making a mistake or because that's the next part like if we're unfaithful right like sometimes we're unfaithful and we make a mistake in life or we sin but he also says but denial is different really when it says if we deny him he will deny us that's really God saying okay I'll give you what you want right 
that God's not forcing anyone into his kingdom. He invites. He offers a free gift. And so denial is like, okay, I understand that. We can still falter and fail and be faithless, but that utter denial and rejection is honored by God. Okay? Then it says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. We will sin, we will falter, and God remains faithful to us. These are beautiful verses. I think these are beautiful verses. These are also very challenging verses if you actually want to take them to heart in your life. That's what I want us to do is actually take all of this book to heart in our lives. That's the whole point, right? Is that we take the very word of God and we do spend time, I want us to know, we do spend time listening to God in prayer, but you've also got this entire book filled with the out loud voice of God to you. Okay, so get to know these words and you'll get to understand the voice of God. And what's cool is that'll help you when you are listening to God in prayer because you'll know what God's voice sounds like. All right, that's a part of why we even want to be familiar with the Bible because we know what God's voice sounds like. Are you willing? Are you willing? There's a few ways that you can respond to this in being willing. You can respond to this in just, in this initial first step of belief. Lord, I'm, I'm willing. I believe that you are God, Jesus. I believe that you died and rose again on the third day. I, I believe that. I am willing to say, I believe that, and I am willing to then live my life for you. I'm willing. I'm willing to live a life of obedience, Walking in step and in faith with God. Lord, I am willing. Or it could be even as this emphasis of this passage is, is that I am willing to endure anything if that means that more people will come to know Jesus. That more people will know of the eternal glory found in him. Are you willing? Eric Liddell was willing, right, to do anything. These people, these, these Muslim people that say yes to the answer to those questions. Are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to die? And they say yes. And they follow Jesus. And many do suffer and die. But they were willing. Are you willing? Are you willing to take just what is, whatever that next step of risk is for you when it comes to saying, I am willing to Jesus? I want you to process that today of what that is for you. And I don't want you to leave this place the same. You should not walk out these doors without considering, prayerfully considering what your next step is in your life of following Jesus. What will it be? How will you believe differently? How will you act differently? And how will you proclaim the gospel differently because of the word of God cannot be stopped. The very power of the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you. You will leave this place in that power and can live in that power every day. God's giving you all that you need. So as, we, as we, we're going to sing another song, 
We're going to have an opportunity to worship God in this way. We'll have an opportunity to come to the prayer points over this time. If you'd like to pray with someone to receive Christ, to pray about anything going on in your life. If you've just got stuff that you want to pray about, we've got people out uh, in the patio as well. We'd love to be able to pray with you, for you. If you're online, even put a prayer request into the chat there and we'd love to pray with you about whatever that is. Okay, but we want to be engaged in this together that we would all say, Lord, I am willing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I say I am willing, God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to know deep, deep down, God, in the depth of our heart and soul, Lord, help us to know that you are with us, that your power is with us, that your strength is with us, your presence of comfort and care is with us, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would never be the same after hearing these words. God, from the beautiful scriptures, your voice, God, to us. I pray that we would pray differently, live differently, proclaim differently, God. Open our eyes, God. I pray for any in this room that don't know you, Lord Jesus, that have not received that gift of salvation in you. I pray for them. If that's you right now, if God is prompting you to say yes to Jesus, say, yes, Lord, I am willing to follow you. I am willing to say, yes, I believe that you are God. Just pray that prayer to him right now. Yes, Lord, I am willing. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are God and that you rose again. You are alive. Help me to follow you. God, I pray for each one. I prayed a prayer like that today, and I pray that you would walk with them, God. Minister to them now. Help us all to walk with you like it was our first day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.